Hi, so um, we had our pictures up there and it made me think about a context for the story and that there is a day when you're a parent, if you look back far enough that you weren't a parent. And so I wanna go back to that. Um, my wife and I moved to Nashville in 1989. I had just finished grad school. We kind of did everything just the way you were supposed to do it in the right order, at, that, at least at that point in our lives. We, um, so we, we met in college, I went to grad school, we moved here, we then went back to our college and got married, and we were just working on our careers. My wife went to grad school herself, and then came back, and you know, at this point, we were in our early 30s, and not in a hurry, but knew we wanted to have a family, and we didn't know for sure how that would play out. And it played out. So, um, fast forward to 1997. At that point, I work at the College of Social Work at UT, and I'm coordinating an advisory council made up of kids in the foster care system. So we had about 25 kids from across the state. They advised the Department of Children's Service on policy, what should happen, how it should happen. They were listened to maybe 15% of the time, but it was an effort to give young people a voice. And at these meetings, you know, kids brought all their histories to these meetings, and we got to know the kids really well. And there was a new young man who joined the council that fall in 1997. And um, he was really upset, and a lot of the energy was taken up trying to figure out where he was going to live. And so every time there was a break, everyone was sitting around, who do you know, what could you do, where could you, how could you find somebody, who could you ask? And he's a really neat kid. He's fluent in French, really, really smart, um, lived in um, Cleveland, Tennessee, but he was from Athens, so down near Chattanooga. And um, we went through the weekend, and you know, I, that was my work, I came home, but I couldn't leave my work, and so, Cecily, my wife, who's sitting right back there, she and I were, and she helped me remember the story because I'm not good at details. Um, we were raking leaves that November afternoon, and I said I almost brought a kid home. There was just silence, and <laughs> we weren't really going to talk about it. It's sort of like, you know, when my children now say, can we get that puppy? Um, <laughs> and so later that night or maybe the next day, Cecily said, well, tell me about, tell me about this kid. And I did. And I think a little bit more time passed, and she said, well, let's, let's try it. Let's see what happens. So um, I called his social worker. We arranged for a visit. He came and visited. Really what he wanted was he wanted a chance to finish high school and go be an adult. And we wanted to be parents. And so we weren't really looking for the same things, but we also knew that what we wanted wasn't going to happen immediately, and this was kind of the beginning of everything happening in the wrong order for us anyway. And um, long story short, that Christmas, December 19th of 1997, Michael moved into our house. Yes, his name's Michael. I would never name a child after myself. <laughs> um, that's fate. So, um, so Michael moves in, and, you know, we do all of those first things with a baby, you know, we, um, we get a car, and we get, our, we get our ears pierced, and we get our first job, and we negotiate changing from block scheduling to regular scheduling and make sure we're going to graduate on time. So once we do all that, we're really done. We know how to be parents. 
Um, but then we had to pick out our tux for the prom and get graduation announcements, and he did graduate. In that time, in February, he turned 18. It's a little bit of wonder whether he would stay. I think we figured out he would when he hit Cecily's car in the, f in the driveway. And um, he was crying, and we figured out that he was crying because he thought he was going to be told to leave. Because that's what happens. So Michael graduates. He's 18. And, you know, he doesn't want a family. He wants to go be an adult. And so we let him. You know, it's we're, we're the place you can come back to. And he did. And he came back again and again and again. <laughs> and we were happy every time. But over those next 10 years from... 1997 when Michael came and then graduated in 98 to 2007 in that time in 2001 and 2004 we adopted Michael's sisters and in, it's funny in my um, I noticed um, on the young woman who's going to talk about adopting her brother she talks about you you go you go to the hospital to get a baby we use that word for having children in our family too my daughters talk about getting a baby people get babies we got Michael we got Harriet, we got Eloise. So in that time, we did. We, um, we got Harriet, she was born in Vietnam, and we got Eloise, she was born in China. And Michael was involved in all of that. He was at the airport when we got home. He was there when we got the referral pictures in the mail. And um, it was a big deal. And then he'd not be home. He'd come and babysit, and then he'd go, which is what you want your adult child to do, but you want to know that they're gonna, there's going to be a next time that they're going to come back. So then, um, December 19th again, 2006, um, no, not December 19th, Christmas Eve 2006, Michael tells us that he wants to be adopted. All along, we had said, well, you know, if you ever want to be adopted, once we'd adopted Harriet and Eloise, it seemed more reasonable to talk about it. You know, we said, if you ever want to be adopted, we, you know, we'd love to do that. Well, he did. And so then, you know, you do the, the things you always do when you're getting ready to have a baby. You find an attorney. <laughs> and um, when you find that attorney, you're asking her to do something she's never done before. And so you're talking her through that process. And so then the day comes um, where we, it's April 3rd, 2007, and we're at Muriel Robinson's court in Nashville. There's about 15 crying babies. And the bailiff comes out and says, he's on the docket first, but could he please wait because he's not crying. <laughs> and, um, and we said yes. And so... You know, a lot of time passed. All 15 of those babies <laughs> got adopted. And we went in, and the courtroom was empty. And um, Judge Robinson said, I've never done this before. She said, I think I'm supposed to ask him if he wants to be adopted. And I said, well, then ask him. <laughs> and he said he did. And she asked us, and we said we wanted to adopt him. And um, then her, she declared us adopted, and she offered him a lollipop because that's <laughs> what she does to all children who are adopted. <laughs> now, Brad really worked on me to keep that all in order chronologically, and I, I did it. 
But I want to go back because there's one key thing that if you know anything about the foster care system, a kid who is in care when he turns 18 is a failure to that system. During that time, I also became director of foster care for the state. And I don't believe that. I believe a kid who doesn't have a family didn't succeed. And the system failed, not the kid. The point at which that, sorry, <laughs> the point at which that relationship becomes legal is a whole other issue. It can happen 10 years down the road, which it did for us. It can happen 20 years down the road, which is where we are now. And you know it works when you still have Sunday dinner and when his sister has her 16th birthday and he comes over. That's when you know it works. That's when you know the kid who did not want a family got one.